Welcome to the My Best Mom Friend Podcast. My name is Sandra, and I'm the virtual mom bestie you didn't know you needed. Grab a cup, make yourself comfortable, and allow me to spill the tea on motherhood. Hi, and welcome back to the My Best Mom Friend Podcast. Today, I am interviewing Jasmine. You can find her over on Instagram at Pearls of Jasmine. She and I initially connected um, through Instagram. She's one of my virtual mom besties. Um, She and I both connected over sharing our um, postpartum mental health experience, and then we found out that we actually both volunteer for Postpartum Support International. So we thought we would get together because we were talking about the the current case in the news with um, Lindsay from Duxbury, Um, and so we wanted to kind of touch on that and postpartum psychosis because I've had a lot of my followers on Instagram ask me a lot of questions and expressing their, you know, how much they're being triggered right now by this case in the news. So we just really wanted to sit down and have a conversation about postpartum psychosis and um, just perinatal mental health in general. So um, make yourself comfortable. It may be, you know, another heavier conversation and I'll leave a trigger warning here as well. So let's dive in. All right. Thank you for tuning in today. I am here with Jasmine from Pearls of Jasmine over on Instagram. We connected, I want to say about a year ago through Instagram Yeah. Um, because we're both support coordinators for Postpartum Support International. And I think we just really connected on each other's posts um, about mental health. So I'd love to give you a chance to introduce yourself to the listeners and um, why advocating for maternal mental health is so important to you as it is for me. Yeah. Hi, Sandra. Thanks for having me today. And um, so uh, everyone, my name is Jasmine and I'm over at Pearls of Jasmine on Instagram. Um, I am a survivor of severe postpartum depression and anxiety. And um, I'm a clinical pharmacist by trade, uh, but I I went into motherhood completely blindsided by how common uh, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders are, even though I was in the healthcare field. And so in the darkest depths of my depression, I really thought, told myself, you know, if and when I recover, um, I would pay it back by, by trying to help other women avoid it. And, uh, you know, through destigmatizing antidepressants, talking about mental health. Um, And so now, you know, uh, I I sought out opportunities to volunteer with PSI, you know, as we both do. I don't do uh, coordinating, but I do, uh, I was a peer mentor. Right. And also I now write a lot about maternal mental health on my blog, um, on my Instagram page, and just kind of try to spread the awareness. So here yeah. we are today. Thank you for all that you're doing. Your words are so beautiful and your story is so powerful and, you know, it takes a lot to share that with the world. So I commend you, you too. <laughs> you as well. You as well. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and what you said is so true, right? Like, I think most of us that have struggled with any form of maternal mental health, we are all blindsided, not only by that, but also just how challenging the role of being a mother is and that transition into motherhood. Um, It's not really something that you can prepare for. And as I, you know, say often, it's like, it, you know, postpartum depression and anxiety really sucker punched me in the face because I didn't see it coming despite having had, you know, some mental health struggles prior to pregnancy. So, yeah, yeah. it's, it doesn't, it doesn't discriminate. It really doesn't No, It does not. So, I mean, we're here today to kind of talk about the current news about the Duxbury, um, Massachusetts case. That's been really tough to digest for those of us in the motherhood community and those in the maternal mental health space. So, you know, we've been talking about this, but a lot of the moms that follow me on Instagram have reached out and have been sharing just how heavy this new story is weighing on them and all of the triggers that this has been bringing up for them. So I guess just for the listener really quickly, in case you missed it, um, 32 year old Lindsay Clancy lived in a beautiful home, a nice part of town with her husband and three children. 
She was a labor and delivery nurse in Massachusetts uh, General Hospital. And a few days ago, uh, she allegedly strangled her three children. They were five, three, and eight months old. Um, she then jumped allegedly from her second story window in an attempted suicide. So, you know, this all went down. Apparently in the 25 minutes, her husband ran out to pick up takeout. And unfortunately, the children did not survive the injuries. Yeah, and that's, you know, my heart just kind of goes out to the whole situation and, and more information is sort of coming out now saying that, you know, she had been suffering with, with her mental health um, and, and she was actually on a leave from work. Um, I think they said that she was actually participating already in a intensive five day a week postpartum outpatient program. Um, and I mean, there's not as much detail on this and, you know, we're not here to, to gossip or talk about it, but really just, right. you know, it's just so um, disheartening that we're already, somebody's already trying so hard to get the help and this is still happening, you know, from the outside, she looks so put together, right? You know, she has a great job, you know, she lives in a, in a nice home with three beautiful children, a loving husband, and you just really have no idea what someone might be going through behind all of that. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of what's scary that, you know, mental health, like we said, it's, 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 uh, it doesn't discriminate. Right. It's an equal opportunity illness. Right. Heard in, the, in the PSI panel, um, which is what we're, you know, here to discuss today. So, you know, like you said, it's hitting everyone so hard because if you struggled or currently struggle with postpartum mental health, you know, you might be feeling like, wow, could this have been me if left untreated? Um, or like, could this be me if I'm currently in this, right? Um, right. You know, and, and while we can only speculate um, that this may have been a case of psychosis, which I know the media is talking a lot about now as well, um, we also want to make sure that we don't sensationalize the news and really focus on the fact that we have to provide moms with better resources for support. And partners also need to be aware of what signs and symptoms to be mindful of. I feel like, you know, the news stories, they like to share the things that are going to get clicks and they right. don't often share the resources at the end of the article. Um, and so I also want to add here that, you know, thousands of women get postpartum psychosis every year and they recover and go on to live a normal, fulfilled life. But, you know, sadly, those stories those success stories don't make headlines because they aren't clickbait, you know? So right. I think a lot of, um, a lot of moms and, and women and families are kind of honing in on this because this is, you know, in the headlines right now. So while it's important that we talk about this, just if you're listening, keep in mind that it's not something that happens every day, right. To this degree. Mm -hmm. um, so just right. because this happened to her, it doesn't mean it will happen to you you know, but it's, it's good to be aware of the signs and the resources for getting help. Right. I, I completely agree with that statement that we don't hear enough of the successful recoveries too. And there is help out there. Yes, there is, which we will share a lot of. Um, but so, yeah, yeah, the reason we wanted to share a little bit more information today is to raise that awareness about the difference in the PMADS. Um, and so those stand for perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. So we'll use that acronym here probably pretty often. Um, mm -hmm. So we kind of just want to jump into what exactly postpartum psychosis is because it isn't discussed all that often. Um, and, you know, being that we both have volunteered for PSI, Postpartum Support International, we do want to share the resources available to everyone. Yeah. Um, and so just before we jump in and start here too, we do want to disclaim that, you know, we're not specifically mental health medical professionals. Right. I know I, I do have a background in pharmacy and, but my, my clinical pharmacy skills are not my, my specialty is not mental health, even though I bring my own personal mental health piece to it. Um, but, you know, um, so we just want to, Put that out there first but since we are moms who have struggled with mental health before and we volunteer for psi um that's why we really want to sort of i felt like we had this idea last year to sort of talk yeah. more about the resources and i feel like this was a good opportunity and time to to come together and do this because people more than ever probably want to know exactly how can they get help if they're struggling not even with just psychosis but just 
overall um, right. maternal mental health. So that's kind of what we're gonna we're gonna do today. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and you know, I think we'll also dive into you know the postpartum OCD piece and the intrusive thoughts. Like I did an episode on that I think two weeks ago. Um, right. And since then, you know, I've had more and more moms reach out saying like, oh, wow, I had no idea this was so common. And so, you know, quote unquote normal. So I think a lot of moms too now have this fear of like, oh, I have intrusive thoughts and is this going to be me? So I think we're going to kind of as, as moms, as women, you know, who have been there, right. just kind of our, our point of view from everything we've learned and everything that we know. Yeah. Um, and, then, and at the end, we're going to definitely, you know, share not just more specifically how to find these resources. Um, and, and I encourage you, um, I, I mean, we both listened to this recently, but PSI actually put out recently a webinar that they released last year about postpartum psychosis. If you want to learn more, it's a great, um, it's a great webinar information um, from words of survivors. So you can sort of hear the hope. And we may we may draw from some of their experiences today too, um, because you know what what better people to talk about it or or relay their experience. Um, or, I mean, what better people to quote than than the people who have survived. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm gonna do a really quick. Uh, I guess we're gonna just really quickly review again, like what the PMADs are, um, and um, you know, because postpartum psychosis is very different from postpartum depression. Right. which I think the media sometimes kind of gets, they, they mix up the word sometimes, or they'll call it like postpartum depression on its yeah. own. Or they um, just and call maybe... it postpartum. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Just, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah. So all women go through this yes. and, but you know, it's, it's, it's kind of different and maybe, maybe Lindsay Clancy started out with postpartum depression. Maybe she had anxiety. Um, and, and then maybe this was a component they didn't catch because psychosis is really a, an emergency. So um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. So perinatal really means that it encompasses even the pregnancy period through the postpartum period. So just make sure to kind of realize that, you know, even people who are pregnant may experience mood disorders. Um, so the first one, um, I mean, there's six total, I think that they say for PMADS, uh, that's perinatal, perinatal depression, perinatal anxiety, perinatal OCD, perinatal panic disorder, um, and then there's postpartum PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, and then there's psychosis. So psychosis, I feel like is really its own separate category. The other first five um, are, are kind of, you know, what, what it is like, you know, depression is really, you know, um, you might experience that sort of withdrawal, feelings of, of like anger, sadness, irritability, and guilt, kind of a loss of hope. Um, and, and sometimes, yes, people do have thoughts of, of hurting themselves. Um, the anxiety, you know, perinatal anxiety, a lot of people have, uh, will say, you know, they have extreme worries and fears, like um, to the point that, you know, they, they just, they have, they, they can't carry on their day because they're so anxious and worried about everything that might happen. Right. They can't make decisions. Um, I know for me, sometimes I'd stand there when I hear my daughter crying and be like, so like at this point, what should I do? Like, I'm just so overwhelmed yeah. with like, do her up? Do I? What, what's wrong with her? What am I? What am I not doing? And you just kind of freeze almost. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. Um, uh, there's the perinatal OCD, which I think you said we're going to talk maybe a little bit more about. Mm -hmm. But um, obsessive compulsion disorder really is kind of you know these unwanted thoughts and, and images or obsessions, right? And then you you tend to have you might do certain things to prevent or, or kind of if you're, if you're worried about something happening you might avoid certain things um like right. you know avoid maybe people avoid driving because they're worried about getting into a car accident i, I remember your intrusive thoughts yeah. episode you talked about how you were so worried about driving because yeah. you're so worried about getting into a car accident but it didn't stop you from driving like it didn't you right. know you still did it you were worried right. but you did it now i think it's like so crippling to the point that it's causing you not to change your life around that Right. And that, that, right. that gets to the point where we need to get it treated. And uh, panic disorder, I mean, I don't think I hear about this one as much, but it's, it's basically like having the anxiety where you're having sort of the panic attacks all the time. Right. Um, and uh, it can be temporary, but, uh, you know, it can resolve on its own. But if it's kind of happening over and over again, you know, that's, that's a sign to get treated. Um, I think postpartum PTSD is more like, you know, trauma. 
that there's, you know, either the childbirth was, tra was traumatic, um, there's flashbacks of certain events that, that make it um, so that you can't be, you know, present with your baby. And then lastly, that psychosis. So I think what we really need to sort of unpack is that psychosis kind of means you're not in touch with reality, right? You're, you're experiencing delusions, you're experiencing hallucinations. And I think a, a good way to, you know, what the people ask about you know, to, to sort of dig and see if this is happening is, are things happening? Or are you smelling things, or seeing things, hearing things that other people are like, that's, that's not there. Um, so, you know, and it's, it's hard to say why this comes about. There are certain triggers maybe or risk factors. I don't know if we want to talk about that now or later. Yeah, um, we can get into it. Yeah. Um, I think sleep deprivation is one of them. Yeah. I think if you've been so sleep deprived that it can be a trigger that can mm -hmm. kind of maybe cause the psychosis to start. Um, there's also like, uh, I think, changes in hormones, like yes. sudden drops. You know, if you stop breastfeeding all of a sudden. Right. Um, Maybe if you start on birth control pills all of a sudden. Right. Any um, kind of hormonal shift. Right. Right. And that's kind of where I think that's where we need to get into like some of the statistics, right? So they say one to two out of every 1,000 deliveries um, can or will result in postpartum psychosis. Um, mm -hmm. And an important kind of key piece here to, to mention too is just kind of from hearing that PSI panel and hearing the survivor speak, it seems like it's probably underreported. And I often mm -hmm. have people when they see like graphics on Instagram saying like, oh, anxiety and depression are so much higher than they were 30 years ago. Well, mm -hmm. I don't necessarily just think that it's higher. I think it just, people are now more open to sharing and to seeking help. So there are just more cases reported. I'm sure there are right. still like, you know, societal shifts that have, have caused more anxiety and things like that. But, right. um, and, you know, like you said, the hormonal shift. So that's why, you know, they say it really in the first 48 hours is kind of the onset of psychosis, the first 48 hours from giving birth. But, mm -hmm. you know, really this can happen at any time over that first year, you know, postpartum because of those hormonal shifts, right? Like maybe you right. stop breastfeeding at eight, nine months. And now, you know, I call it that hormonal nosedive where everything mm -hmm. shifts again. Right. So you know, that's, that's, that's where it's so horrible for me when I have all these moms reach out to me on Instagram saying, you know, my doctor dismissed me because I'm six yeah. months postpartum. And like, that's when they're first feeling signs and symptoms, you know, and, and I think the, this really has hit the medical world too, to realize, you know, just really how maternal mm -hmm. mental health works and that it's not just in those first six no. weeks. Yeah. No, it's, it's not six weeks. I don't even know why that's such an arbitrary cutoff or anything. I don't know either. Uh, it's, it's something I, I really think, you know, it's not like you can put a timeline on it or a stamp on it. Oh, right. wow. You're, you're past this window. So you must be okay. Right. Um, it, <laughs> it's not how it works. Right. And, and I mean, even look at, I mean, Lindsay's what, seven, eight months postpartum. Right. right. And right. so people might be like, well, she should be better by now. Um, right. but I, I really don't think, or, or people might say, oh, you're out of the fourth trimester. You right. should be okay now. That's also, I feel like a very, you know, incorrect way of, of mm -hmm. going about it Absolutely. because every, every family situation is different. Every baby is different. Mm -hmm. Um, so you just don't know what circumstances people have outside kind of compounding on top of what you already right. might be experiencing or, or having. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's also why we say, you know, don't stop checking in on your postpartum friends after two or three weeks, you know, keep checking right. in months down the, the line, you know, at six months, eight months, 10 months, you never know what they might be going through. Yeah, that's, it's so true. Um, and I mean, it's hard because we, you know, we live our lives and, and sometimes it's hard to, to always notice these things, but then it kind of becomes even more important that the people you are around a lot, your support, your partners, they have to be more aware. They have to be highly right. aware. Right. Um, so, and especially if psychosis is so sudden, um, right. you know, that we need to be hypervigilant sometimes. Yes, absolutely. So to jump, you know, a little bit further into psychosis. So um, some more of the statistics. So there is a 
4% um, infanticide rate and 5% suicide rate associated with this um, because of that um, break from reality. But so again, just kind of to reassure listeners that have been, you know, super triggered by this story, you know, these are very small and low percentages. So, I mean, again, this is not something that happens every day. I do think it is more common than, you know, we hear, but yeah. So I guess let's jump into some of the, I mean, yeah, just like going off that, right. If you think one to two, every thousand births might have a case of psychosis, but then another only 4% or 5% ends up being these tragedy cases. I mean, you can just see that that means actually like not all delusions are kind of these scary, tragic sort of delusions. They could be, you know, different kinds of delusions or beliefs that most of them are actually not harmful, not violent. Um, So I think that's important to sort of destigmatize that, Mm -hmm. you know, if you do have a delusion, if you, if you are talking to somebody who has it, don't just automatically assume the worst that this is what they're thinking. Um, Obviously, if they are that, that's, you know, that's an emergency, but, you know, a lot of people may not have those kinds of of thoughts. And I think the other thing we need to remember is uh, that we picked up from the the PSI webinar was that uh, it comes and goes. It right. waxes and wanes, right? right? Like that's what they, that's the quote that they, they would say a lot, which I, I really, it really hit me hard that, you know, um, sometimes in one moment you're lucid and another moment you're not. And maybe when you go see the doctor, the doctor doesn't pick up on it because at right. that moment you seem just fine. Right. Um, so it's even more critical that the people mm-hmm. around you are really noticing like what's different about your behavior, your thoughts, or your feelings. Yes, Exactly. Right. Because you can be with your doctor and have a lucid, coherent conversation yeah. and an hour later be at home alone and have a psychotic episode. Yeah. So, and, you know, they mentioned how, right, there's not even um, a code for. Right. IPP. Yeah. In, uh, in the DSM-5, which is the, the statistical diagnosis manual uh, for like psychiatric disorders, they do not have a specific like diagnosis code for postpartum psychosis. A lot of these actually perinatal mental disorders, they'll say like major depressive disorder with peripartum onset. Like that's what they'll like kind of modify it to say, but your diagnosis, like that's that's not an actual like diagnosis. So um, there needs to be probably work, I think on that part as well. Recognizing that, you know, postpartum psychosis may be different than other types of psychosis postpartum depression may be different than other kinds of depression, you know? Yes. Well, I would say in summary, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the maternal health space and, you know, the resources that society provides and yeah, just mothers and women and families, we, we deserve more and we need more. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so it can be difficult to distinguish between, you know, PPD, PPA and PPP. Um, as a lot of <laughs> sorry, the initial symptoms are similar, but you know, with yeah. PPP, it's like once you see signs of delusions or those audiovisual hallucinations present, that's kind of what differentiates it. Um, where you can kind of assume, okay, this might likely be psychosis, right? Right. Um, and and you know, I think this might be jumping into like people asking you, right? Like, oh, is this an intrusive thought or is this a psychotic thought, right? right? Um, so I, I think um, I think the, the, a good way that we sort of learned about it um, during the PSI I talk was that, you know, it, it's like egocentronic versus egodystonic. I mean, those are kind of like fancy words of saying like, are you, are you in touch with reality when you're thinking these thoughts are you worried about these thoughts are you scared about these thoughts um because if you are that probably means that you know you're 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 in tune like you know you're like this isn't right right but if you if you're thinking certain thoughts and you're like you know you feel you feel a a sort of like it's not the right reaction you should be getting when Mm -hmm. you're thinking these thoughts I think that's when it's a little bit more worrisome. Yes. And, and that that's the, the hard part is that you may not realize it. So other people around you have to realize right. it. Right. And that's, what's tricky because I think so much about psychosis is, you know, the partner or friends and family trying right. to catch it, which is a lot on them, you know, and it's a lot that they have yeah. to know and it to is. be really mindful of and pay attention. 
Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, when you're a parent, it's so hard. You have so many things you're juggling, right? right. This is just another thing to add to that mm-hmm. mental checklist, that mental load, Yeah. you know, and you, I remember mentioned this and this is something I recommend to people too, is that set up an appointment to, mm-hmm. to see somebody before you give birth. Yes. Um, even, even if you never need it, it's, it's a good way to have something lined up like a mm-hmm. safety net yes. because you know and to establish care yes. so you know who to go to the next time if something does come up right and That's even if yeah even if everything is is great with your mental health after giving birth it is still such a major transition so right. if you do have a therapy appointment set up like it doesn't hurt to have a conversation. I'm always open about that. I actually had a therapy session before we started recording you know, the podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to have one this afternoon. So oh, <laughs> how good. funny, Look at how us. funny. <laughs> um, but I will say like, you know, when you mentioned how, you know, to do this, it's because, I mean, I, I found this out the hard way. I've yeah. never had therapy before this, mm-hmm. before I, I had postpartum depression. And when I saw my OB for my six week visit, she said, I think you, I think you need to talk to somebody. I think you need to start antidepressants. And, mm-hmm. and I was just like overwhelmed. She's like, here, call mental health, make an appointment. Yeah. And when I called them, they were like, Oh, our first opening is like six weeks out. I right. said, you've got to be, you've got to be kidding me. Like if I were in a true crisis, how is this going to help right. me? Exactly. Right. And, and just, so that was, so, <laughs> I was like, this is ridiculous. So I actually gave up. I was like, you know what? No, I'm not even going to try this. But then you just end up suffering on your own for even right. longer until it hits like mm-hmm. a really, really bad breaking point. Yeah. And I mean, for people who have psychosis, what are you going to do? Like, if right. you didn't know that was going to happen, if that was going to be the breaking point, you would have, you would have missed that opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. So that's. That's sad. Yeah. So for anyone listening, the advice that I like to give is, you know, while you're looking for your pediatrician, while you're still pregnant, also look for a therapist, schedule an appointment for, you know, three, four weeks out from, you know, your due date. And if you feel great and you want to cancel it, cancel it. But if you end up being in a dark place, the way that Jasmine and I were, it's really nice to have that set up because when I first found my, so I have a therapist that I speak with talk therapy, and then I have a psychiatrist who prescribes. Um, and so when I was first in a really dark place before I ever even got pregnant, it did take six weeks to get in. So I'm feeling hopeless in this dark place and I'm being told, sorry, like you have, you have to wait, you know, that's that's awful. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. So and what I think one of the things I also took away from listening to some of the survivors, this one was actually, um, I think it was uh, Stephen D'Achille, who's actually the husband mm-hmm. of, um, uh, you know, he, he's, his wife had psychosis. And um, I think this, the other scary part, again, to think about is that they wanted to get help. They wanted to mm-hmm. seek help, just like how Lindsay's trying to get help, right? right. Um, but, but places turned them away and they wouldn't listen and they didn't really get what you know they were asking for that sort of right. help um and so it took his wife's life you know very early on which is you know just my heart goes out to him and all the work he's doing now to actually now make centers for mother babies mm-hmm. um so they can recover together and because it's it's hard when you're when you're a mother recovering and, and you get separated from your baby but he said like which really stood out like you know the earlier you get help yeah. easier it's probably going to be to recover yeah you know so so don't let it fester don't, right. don't if you're even suspecting it something reach out and get help yes there's no shame don't sit and wait on it because chances are it's only going to get worse you know right. um, so yeah so I think that I mean this is not to say or to discourage anyone from getting help right because it, it can mm-hmm. take some time to get in but that's why we're just saying that now so that if, you know, you are about to give birth, you know, you, that's something just to think about. Be proactive. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So as we, um, I think one of the things that, you know, cause we're talking about what partners can do to kind of pay attention here, you know, I'm, I'm really trying hard to destigmatize um, the intrusive thoughts, right? Because that is something mm-hmm. that so many women have, I think the percentage is as high as like 80 or, you know, 90%, maybe 
Oh, um, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's really high. It's very normal. So, yeah, you know, it's like, why do we get intrusive thoughts? And it's, it's basically, you know, we're, we're naturally inclined to protect our offspring. So right. that like increases the stress response and can cause us to just imagine all the ways that they could get hurt. Um, but then it makes us kind of think about how we can avoid these possible scenarios. So, you know, like some level of anxiety in life is good, you know, to keep you safe. Um, right. But so I think that, you know, I, I'm hoping that more and more women will be open with their partners speaking about their intrusive thoughts. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, because partners can also have these intrusive thoughts. So, right. um, and then, you know, I think that if, if you are opening up to your partner about them, then maybe that's kind of a, a red flag to your partner to continually ask about them, right? Not, mm-hmm. not that the um, intrusive thoughts are a red flag, but that you keep checking in because I know one of the survivors and this, this sounds graphic, but you know, she mentioned that at one point when she was visualizing her baby drowning, right. Cause that's, mm-hmm. that's a fear that, you know, many people will have with intrusive thoughts. Right. But in, in a normal way, you know, you're, you're feeling kind of disgusted that you're having this thought, you know, you're like, I'm a bad mom for thinking this. Um, yeah. I never want what this is, to happen. What does that mean? Right. Why, do, right. why, why would I think something so horrible? Right. right. Yeah. But then she, she goes on to say, eventually when I thought about that and I could visualize my baby kind of turning blue under the water, I felt relief. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. I kind of, I took away from that you know, keep checking in with your partner and keep asking like, oh, like, you know, how, what have you been thinking about lately? What kind of thoughts have you been having? How do they make you feel? Kind of put your Mm -hmm. therapist hat on. Um, (laughs) Because I feel like, you know, if, if that response ever shifts and that's kind of where you have to pay attention. Yeah. Kind of have your spidey sense on a little bit, right? Like um, if your partner is, um, and, and I mean, a lot of these people listening may not be partners, but, you know, maybe something to mention to your partner is, hey, if I, if I ever talk about, you know, tell you about my anxieties or fears, it just, you know, it's okay to keep checking in kind of, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and uh, I think the fact if somebody's opening up to you, it kind of gives you permission to check in too. Yes. You know, like if I, I remembered, I would tell my husband some of these like really horrible thoughts I had and, and it, you know, that's the other thing, right? Like, People are always like worried, like, hey, if I bring up suicide, if I talk about suicide, will it lead somebody to want to suicide? So I shouldn't talk about it. Right. But I don't think that's the case. I think people who want, who have suicidal thoughts or want, you know, these, it's scary. They want to talk about it with someone. They want someone to know. They don't want to feel alone right. in in experiencing these thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so actually, if somebody is talking to you about it it's okay to like discuss it you're not going to act or anything if anything you may talk them out of it um because because somebody's willing to listen right yeah so so yeah just yeah that check-in is is so important um yes and and i think uh i don't know if we want to talk about other resources psi offers at this point or if we want to dive deeper into intrusive thoughts i want to dive deeper before we kind of leave this topic of psychosis, some other symptoms to kind of look for. So, I mean, we've talked about delusions, um, strange beliefs. Sometimes it is also very, um, focused on like religion, right? Like we see that thinking that their baby's face is now the face of the devil or, um, or Jesus, right. Or you have to sacrifice your baby and just things like that. Um, so yeah. then we have hallucinations, which is of course seeing or hearing things that aren't there and they might be more irritable. Um, hyperactivity I think is really big. So, um, you know, look for like rapid speech and being unusually energetic or racing thoughts and ideas. Um, I know I spoke with someone at PSI yesterday and she was mentioning like, even like having kind of erratic like social media posts all of a sudden, like, mm. even, like little you think kind of look for and notice that really kind of add up um you know that there's a decreased need or um inability to sleep paranoia um being suspicious of everyone around you but then you also have you know mania and also that detachment from reality just along with other mood swings and 
you know, difficulties communicating. So even like mania, right? I feel like that's a, it's, it's a word we used to diagnose. Um, yes. And, and that hyperactivity that you're talking about too. So where somebody is, you know, all of a sudden has all this energy. They can, they want to do all these things. They have right. these grand thoughts that I'm going to accomplish all these things today. I don't need any sleep because um, I'm just going to like, get through this and power through this. It's like somebody who's on like, you know, super caffeinated, you know, yeah. just kind of pulls an all nighter. Those are a little bit alarming. And, 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 you know, the, they say with psychosis, a lot of times it is associated maybe with an underlying bipolar, bipolar disorder. Right. And, and, and that's kind of where that, you know, mania and, and, you know, two sides, right? There's the mania, there's the depression. So you can kind of cycle back and forth between the two. But mania is a lot easier, I think, to maybe pick up if somebody's all of a sudden doing all these things. You're like, hmm, like that's unusual. It's an unusual burst of energy, right? right. Um, and I think a lot of these um, survivors that we had heard from too also mentioned that later on it, it was discovered they did have some sort of underlying bipolar right. disorder had, that had to be treated. Um, and this could be the first episode that you sort of see it happening because. Mm -hmm that, you know, it was just such a, a change in your life, a trigger, you know, having a baby and all of this stuff happening afterwards. So um, I think that's, th these are all good things to sort of point out, not to scare people, right? but just to make them aware, right? Right. To look out. Right. And like we said, psychosis still is so tricky in that it waxes and wanes. And yep. it is also easy to kind of maybe hide that from someone and you know, some of the cases that I've read about, it was like, you know, the mom, you know, the new mom was like spewing off speaking, you know, and almost like in tongues, basically, you know, or like <laughs> talking about all these like religious things. And, you know, the mm -hmm. husband immediately drove her to the ER. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely one of those that even for, um, you know, therapists, it's, it's hard to diagnose and, you know, even sometimes it's, it's challenging for your partner to see that in you. Um, but we're just kind of here to say, like, if you see any of these warning signs, you know, take it, take a closer look and, you know, and if you're listening, you know, if you do have thoughts of harming yourself or your baby, like that is the medical emergency, um, and mm -hmm. you need to get emergency help right away. Yeah. That, at that point, um, we're not waiting six weeks to talk to a therapist. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's definitely not, okay. Right. Um, so yeah. yeah. Um, heavy topics. Yeah. Heavy and but topics. I was just going to say also, like, if I, I know I try to like normalize some of these intrusive thoughts, but if you ever have thoughts that you're not sure about, like talk to your doctor, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. you know, we're not here to tell you how to diagnose yourself. Right. <laughs> we want you, we want you to like actually seek out the hope and it's okay. Like, you know, if, if these, some of these things are making you kind of wonder, I think it's better safe than sorry. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it can hurt. Um, right. it's, it's taking care of your mental health. is just like taking care of your physical health. You wouldn't, you wouldn't bat an eye if somebody told you, you might have a risk of cancer. You might have a possibility you have cancer. Wouldn't you get that checked out? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, so I want to jump into the resources, but before we do, um, I want to give another example or two of what we heard, um, on the PSI panel. So, and, mm -hmm. and this kind of, it was really great. We listened to this when we did, because, you know, I put up a question box on Instagram having, in, you know, gave my followers an opportunity to kind of leave their thoughts and, and how this case has been making them feel and what it's been triggering for them. And, you know, a lot of their questions is kind of what we're talking about, right? Like what are the warning signs to look for? Um, how mm -hmm. is PPD different from psychosis? Um, and so just from some of these questions, like my general feeling is that the story is touching a lot of women in a variety of ways. Um, and it, it sounds like a lot of women that are suffering any form of PMADS right now, it's almost like this fear that they're almost like a ticking time bomb. Like, is this going to happen to oh. me? You know what I mean? And, and I right, right. hearing that this is kind of how they're feeling, but I can understand why, you know, there would mm -hmm. be this, this feeling, but so I kind of want to talk about, and it's kind of a heavy example, I would say. Um, so I definitely, you know, trigger warning here, but yeah. um, so I'm gonna have to read this off, but so basically 
She said, when you have intrusive thoughts, you tend to have your typical reaction, like thinking, you know, perhaps like I'm a terrible mother for having these thoughts, but the immediate response to a similar psychotic thought is different. So to encapsulate this in one example, she said, you can have um, intrusive thoughts, for example, about tripping down the stairs while holding your baby, right? It's very common intrusive mm-hmm. thought. I had it. I don't know if you had it. I had, I had it. it. I, I definitely had it. We lived in a, a single story home in a ranch home. And I said, oh, <laughs> that's right. I, I remember hearing your episode and thinking, wow, that's so interesting that you can still worry about that. Even when you have no stairs around, I live in a three-story town home. So okay. every time I walked downstairs, I would almost like kind of hold my breath as yeah. we're walking, mm-hmm. like literally count every step because I didn't want to miss one. Right. Well, you know, like I didn't want to be like, I'm holding her. I can't see her. I can't like feel right. look. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. And then that's how I felt once we moved into the home we're in now. But yeah. So in the moment I was like, I know this is irrational, but I still feel this way, you know? Um, but so, yeah, so you can get that, you know, awful image in your head and ask yourself, how can I possibly have this thought and this you know, it feels scary to you. And and like we talked about, you may even have these sort of compulsions where you're avoiding the stairs. Um, mm-hmm. But then if that same intrusive thought comes up, right, but it's followed, for example, by the idea of, well, if I tripped down the stairs, I would probably be okay and survive the fall, but my baby might not. And then, you know, everything could go back to normal. My husband will love me again. My body will go back to normal. And everything will be how it was before we had the baby. And then perhaps that's even followed by like a sensation of relief, right? And so this is an example of, um, this is not a normal intrusive thought, right? This is a delusional thought. And then taking it even a step further, if you then have the desire to act on these thoughts, that's, you know, the piece where you need to really seek emergency medical help right away. And I think this was a clinician that mentioned this, right? That that was talking about, yeah. Uh, or was it? Or I think it was her personal experience. Yeah. Okay. And, and so you know, we're not we're not just making up these. This is like what somebody yes. is recounting. Yes. Um, it's kind of like that other example she gave, where you know, seeing your baby underwater. How does that make you feel? Right. And if 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 you're like God, that's awful. That's horrible. But. That's normal syntonic thought. It's right. dystonic if you're starting to think, well, oh, I'm feeling some sort of relief. Like, right. you know. Right. Um, so at that point we need to, you know, dig more. We need to, we need to get help. We need to seek <laughs> something yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, those were definitely some heavy examples that they gave. But I also want to mention that the, you know, the women on this panel are very successful women. Um mm-hmm with really impressive degrees that 20 years ago, 15 years ago had these psychotic breaks and they recovered and, you know, they're living their life and mm-hmm. they're getting back. Yeah. They're doing a lot of work on this right now. Yeah. Um, I, I did remember uh, one of the comments uh, on this webinar was that they did notice the, the panel of, of survivors and speakers. There wasn't as much rep- representation in people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, you know, I know the founder of PSI was like, yeah, we, we, we definitely post that. We see that for sure. Um, and, and I, I don't know if it's just that people of color are scared to talk about it or come, you know, or, and that it's not, you know, or that it happens to a, a certain demographic. I feel that it's underreported, you know? Um, yeah. so I think he, my message maybe is just, just because you see this happening to a certain only demographic of women, it doesn't mean that, you know, it's shameful if it's happening to you or, or that it's not happening to other people of color. So I think, I think it's okay to talk about it, to reach out and and get help for it. You know, there's really no shame, shame in that. Um, and, and, and even if you're, even if you are successful, right, you're like, why is this happening to me? Right? Like these, these women were what nurses, um, one of them worked in like DC, Mm -hmm. the government was one of like a lawyer, you know, just like, Yeah. And like you said, though, you can recover. There's, there's hope. Yeah. So, and I think it's not only is it underreported, but it's also reported differently. And this is just my, but you know, when you see this case, 
you know, a lot of people in the public are like defending Lindsay, right. Mm -hmm. And kind of backing her and, you know, but then you see, you know, the same sort of situation happen in a, in a like lower socioeconomic um, family household. And it's reported differently. And I almost feel like the woman is almost demonized for what she's doing. You know, so I feel like the media twists it and then puts a different perception in our minds when, you know, sometimes you see a a photo of the woman and she looks, you know, a little ragged, right? But then you Mm -hmm. see the photos of Lindsay who looks so put together. And so it forms a different image in your head. And so now I feel like more women are like, wow, she looks like me. I'm also a nurse. Mm -hmm. I, you know, and, and you kind of have these thoughts of like, oh, like that really could be me. You know what I mean? Like I, and we already know that things are not equal. We, we know that, um, you know, for black women, the maternal, um, mortality rate so much higher, so much higher. Yeah. 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 So, but you know, we, we just, we also know that this disease, like we keep saying equal opportunity affects, it can affect anyone. Exactly. Um, maybe, maybe how the person gets, receives treatment and the follow-up afterwards is different, mm-hmm. but it can affect anyone. Can really affect right. Anyone. Absolutely. So I don't know, I didn't want to touch too much on the case here, but there's just one point that I did want to bring up. Um, And I actually, (laughs) I followed a Facebook group um, about this case because I was kind of interested what other people were saying or kind of what their responses. And there are so Mm -hmm. many women in this group that are sharing like their experience of postpartum, you know, mental health. And then there's a lot of people on there that are just, just spreading rumors saying the worst things, right. Um, not helping destigmatize the situation. But so like a lot of questions I keep seeing people say is like, um, why did the husband leave to pick up takeout when the wife was perhaps suffering from psychosis? Right. And it's obviously a valid question to have, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we don't want to speculate, like we said, but it, it's something I've been thinking about too. And, you know, I think it's, it's probably without speculating, like that waxing and that waning, right? Like I yeah. highly yeah. doubt he left his wife alone with his three children if she was in a manic or right. having some kind of an episode, right? So she could have been fully mm-hmm. lucid um, and then delusional you know, 10 minutes. Later. Right when I left, maybe. Right. Um, and then that's kind of where I wanted to mention that, that other warning sign, just when, you know, a person is suffering a depressive disorder, if they, I think we've seen this, right. If they've made up their mind about acting out on their suicidal ideations, it's been said that they often have kind of a calm sense about them having come to terms with their decision. Um, so I think that's, you know, perhaps something else to look out for as a partner, if you kind of see a, change. a sudden, sh- maybe a sudden shift, like all of yeah. a sudden, like they were so agitated before, but all of a sudden they're a lot calmer. Yeah. That, that's, it's an interesting, um, yeah, uh, I could see that being a, a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Just something to, to think about. And, and yeah, the, the whole, the whole thing about you know, the waxing and, and the waning and just, you just don't know when it's going to happen. Right. Just, mm-hmm. I, my heart goes out to them because they were trying so hard yeah. and, and, you know, you can't, <laughs> it's just, it was just a tragedy. It really was. Absolutely. You know, they were doing everything in their power to try to fix things too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's where we feel like the system you know, it's, it's hard. Like people look for, for someone to blame, right? right? People, people are trying to look for reasons to make sense of it all. And sometimes right. there just is no sense on why this stuff happens. Um, even clinicians don't know why psychosis might happen right. or not. Um, so just, you know, I think, I, I think one of the ways the, the webinar was talking about the PSI webinar said, you know, it's not so much about maybe the focus shouldn't be on, am I having a psychotic break? Am I having psychotic thoughts? But also emphasizing that if this were to happen, mm-hmm. I can get treatment and right. I can be well again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> so that's right. why we spread awareness um, to, to really look out for yourself, look out for, right. for the your loved ones right. and ask the right questions. 
Right. I mean, psychosis and really any, you know, mental health disorder, they're, they're treatable. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and things like psychosis are generally temporary. So Mm -hmm. it's just so important. Like we said, don't just sit on your symptoms, tell someone, seek professional help, you know, because your life and your children's life could depend on it. Right. Yeah. So I hate that something so awful had to happen for the community to speak more on this because I feel like psychosis is not talked about as often. So I'm, you know, really glad that we're having this important conversation. Yeah. And, and like, just, you know, just trying to say that, you know, not all psychotic thoughts are bad too. Right. 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 <clears throat> so um, this is kind of a one this is actually pretty rare, I think, to see this yeah. happening to this extent, to let it get to this extent. Mm-hmm. But I think we can um, make something, you know, hopefully something good can come about out of it at the end. But, you know, I just, like you're saying, like we don't, you can't demonize the women for this, right? right? No woman, no one, no woman wants to kill her kids, no. right? That's just not, <laughs> they can't. Even the PSI um, nurse practitioner was saying, like, I don't know a woman in all her years yeah. of practice that actually wanted to do this. Right. Right. That's just that's just not. So you have to, the other question is then like, then how do we help her? How do we fix it? What was broken? Right. Mm-hmm. That should be the real question, not on how do we charge her with murder. Right. right? Yeah. And I'm sure right. there will be some kind of investigation as well, you know with her outpatient treatment and what was said and recorded and right. What do they miss? Missed. Yeah. Yeah. What was actually like missed in that treatment? If she was already getting intensive treatment. Yeah. <sighs> and one of the thoughts that honestly haunts me the most, obviously, you know, whatever happened in that moment is the most haunting thing, but you know, whenever, if ever she wakes up, and, you know, she does become mentally more stable again, what that must then feel like. Exactly. I, I think that's the worst for me too. Just, mm-hmm. you know, this is already a tragedy, but can you imagine for her? Like, yeah. oh, I just, you know, and, and knowing that like, I, that wasn't me. Right. I didn't want to do that. A lot of times I feel like when I was going through my postpartum depression, like I think I saw this thing other day where it's like the worst part is that, you know, postpartum depression if it doesn't feel like symptoms, it feels like it's you. Like, mm-hmm. so you didn't know. And then, and then to go back and think that like, wow, like when I was thinking those things or when I was doing those things, that wasn't really me. Mm-hmm. And for her, it really, really wasn't her. Like it was right. a complete break from that. Right. Right. Um, so, so, I mean, just to even like that huge jump, um, if I already feel that badly about, you know, just depression I can't imagine where that is leading right so I really hope she gets I hope really hope she gets that right help yes this time yes me too and I hope that all women listening you know will feel comfortable seeking out help and not feel discouraged from this specific scenario Mm -hmm. and I just and I hope society just does a better job in like we said destigmatizing mental health and offering more support for for new moms and new families. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I guess with that in mind, we can probably talk a little bit about what PSI has to offer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. Do you mind sharing a little bit about what you actually do as support coordinator? Yes. So um <laughs> as a support coordinator, um if someone is calling into the main PSI number, Um, Mm -hmm. they will be connected with me if they live in my state. And then I talk, you know, through what they're going through and, um, help them get in touch with, um, either a therapist, a psychiatrist within their zip code and, um, you know, within network for insurance, as well as helping them find any other local resources, like, um, in-person support groups. Um, I also then immediately send everyone to the um, PSI online support group website. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned um, your sister, your sister-in-law sent you this when you were struggling at first and you felt really overwhelmed because you didn't know where on the site to go. Mm-hmm. So in the show notes, I will leave a specific link on um, you know how to get there. And there are 20 different groups. 
um, including one on um, postpartum psychosis. So I think are... that group, the psychosis group that I was looking, it's more for recovering. Yes. Maybe not if you're actually experiencing yes. or, or kind of going through the treatment at the mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah. Um, but there's so many types, so yes. many groups. Yes, there's even one um, support for families touched by psychosis. And then I always feel like um, PSI kind of pigeonholed themselves by calling themselves postpartum because they also have a lot of support groups for um, just perinatal, right? So mm -hmm. um, infertility or trying to conceive mm -hmm. or, um, you know, pregnancy after adoption, adoption, adoption yes. Yeah. Um, there's groups for NICU parents, um, dad support groups, birth trauma, so many different, um, very specific honed in groups. So I definitely recommend checking that out. Those um, meetings are free and they're weekly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have also, um, if like there's too many groups that kind of overwhelm you when you go to that page, I think there's a, there's a thing you can click that shows a calendar view of like mm -hmm. every single group that's like, per, you know, weekly sort of thing. So you can choose and see like, you know, the schedule on, on what that looks like. But yeah, yeah. Like you said, when I was going through depression, um, it was actually my sister, she like looked up some resources and she's like, Hey, this website looks pretty good. You should like take a look and see if you want to like use some of these. It looks like it's all free. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just, you know, when you're in depression, it is very hard to have the energy to think, mm -hmm. wow, I have another thing I need to do or like right. to try to like, try to look through Excel and achieve and like figure out on what to do on my own. Right. right. Um, and so actually it sounds like though, if they call that phone number and talk to you, you can help them navigate through all of that and find what they actually need, which yes. is kind of nice. I narrowed so it down for them. Yep. That's even better. I feel like I wish I had known that it's okay to just call this number and someone's yes. going to help me. Um, but in case you don't want to call a phone number and talk to somebody, um, you know, for me, like now if I'm looking at the webpage, you know, you go to the menu and click on get help mm -hmm. um, and then look under PSI services. And that will pull up all the things I think that will be helpful yes. um, for somebody going through a perinatal mood disorder um, because this website is very big in terms of like providers have resources on here. And, you know, so it's, it's more than just for the people seeking help. It's for the people giving help too. So yeah, get, go under get help, PSI services, and then there you will find um, quite a bunch of things. Um, I think the more important things to point out are there's a provider directory. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, this website I think is really good at sort of putting together all the people that actually have perinatal mental health certifications. Yeah. And if for some reason these people are like out of your network or you have some sort of different healthcare system that you're looking for and you want to look for a therapist, I didn't know this before, but it's really important. Uh, you can look for a PMH-C under their credentials. That will tell you that they are actually perinatal, perinatal certified. And I think they would be more attuned to if you're having postpartum depression and anxiety, all these um, sort of perinatal disorders more than so, you know, maybe like a regular therapist, right. not knocking on regular therapist. It's just that I feel like having somebody who actually kind of gets more of that, this perinatal spectrum, the mm -hmm. spectrum is different, right? Yeah. Um, so that's, I think this directory is really great. Um, do you know what the local support one is that, is that what you do local support? Um, yes, but so okay. honestly, to, to be honest, we pull from that um, provider directory as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, so you can either look yourself or you can reach out to the local support and then whoever um, is the coordinator in your state will help you narrow everything down. But yeah. I mean, our directory is not like the be all end all, right? Like there are mm -hmm. so many other providers out there. These are just the ones that, you know, PSI kind of has a relationship with and recommends. Right. Um, right. But I think if you go to, I don't know if it's psychology.com or psychology today, we'll leave it all in the show notes, but there is an even broader directory as well. Right. There's other directories out there. I just yeah. think like PSI probably has a good collection yes, and definitely. people registered. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And the other one I thought was kind of cool is called chat with an expert. Um, this is one that when I was training um, as a peer mentor, they, they recommended we, we, you know, tell people about, but I think I want to say it's weekly. Uh, is it weekly or um, 
try to pull that up real quick. But either way, it's an it's an actual licensed mental health uh, worker who chats on the phone with uh, a group of people, and so you're actually getting you can actually ask more medical things if you have questions about that. Um, and um, and I think it's like a fifteen person limit. Um, but uh, so, it, so it caps out when you like call in, um, it, it caps out after like 15 people, but you don't need to register in advance. You can just kind of call in every uh, week if, if you all of a sudden like have some time and, and you want to um, check it out. Um, and so if you have like, you know, certain questions, you know, maybe you're not actually seeing a therapist yet, you want to hone in on some things. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if they give specific medical advice per se, but at least it could right. be helpful to like have somebody sort of uh, fine tune for you. And so I think that's kind of a, a cool resource too, that I, I do recommend people to, to check out. Right. Um, and then yeah. I think we have the, um, national maternal mental health hotline as well, which is 24 seven. Right. Yeah. That's, that's always there for people if they need to, which is new. I think they just came out with that last year. Yeah. Right. It's fairly new and it's in English, Spanish, and I think maybe some other languages as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, it's free. All of these resources are free. Oh, okay. So the, sorry, the chat with an expert is live phone sessions for moms every Wednesday. Okay. Um, and it, it's uh, facilitated by a licensed mental health professional. So yeah. And that also leads to the peer mentor program. So that was what I did. Um, so I, uh, a peer mentor, the peer mentor program basically pairs uh, people who are currently going through a PMAD, uh, you're diagnosed, you're treated, but they're stable, you know, but they want some more sort of maybe one-on-one -on -one support uh, from some, and, and basically you get paired with somebody who has had a PMAD and has, has recovered basically. So um, once I was recovered, I volunteered for this program so I could help another mom who's currently in the trenches going through it. Okay. And it's a six month commitment. Um, so you basically have somebody and, and you do weekly check-ins. So whether that's by phone, text, email, video calls, whatever you guys decide works for you, um, you kind of just create this relationship with another mom, a survivor of, of a PMAD that, uh, that might walk you through. Um, yours as you recover, just sort of like, you know, not as medical advice or anything, but just somebody yeah. like a support companion, somebody who's been through it that you can sort of talk to, vent to, relate to. Right. Um, so, so that's I a, that's I a cool need program. to do that. <laughs> it's a, it's a really great program. Um, yeah. It is kind of a commitment because it is, you do have to weekly do check-ins. Right. Um, and, uh, but like I said, it could be like, you know, just text messaging. It could, but it could be like a half an hour phone call. It could, um, for me and my peer, we did a, a one hour call every week on the phone. We did sometimes videos, sometimes like phone calls. Um, but that was, that was great. And yeah. actually she's, she's kind of local. So we actually met up in person. You don't, you don't necessarily, you don't necessarily like get paired with someone who's like close to you, but we just mm -hmm. happened to sort of live not too far away. And we did That's end up fantastic. like meeting up at one point. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. Well, and that really leads me to also say, you know, if you are listening and you know, you're kind of out of the trenches and you also want to give back the way that, you know, you and I are, mm -hmm. BSI is always looking for more volunteers. Um, so we're always looking for more advocates. So definitely reach out to PSI if that's something that you're interested in. I will say it was a little bit triggering at first. I did wait mm -hmm. until I was a solid year. I'd say year, year me, and a half. Me too. Postpartum. Me too. And those first couple of phone calls were a little bit triggering, but after mm -hmm. that, you know, yeah, it's, it's almost yeah. therapeutic now to be helping others. Yeah. And you're right. In a way, it sort of affirms like the journey you went through mm -hmm. to get to where you are too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the peer mentor group also, I think the mentors themselves have their own little group so they can kind of help each other out with, you know, if their peers have a question they can't help with or answer. Yeah. So you also build a, a group of other women that have survived and you can kind of make these really amazing like other women too. Yeah. It's powerful. It's really yeah. beautiful because you know, like we said, you, you don't have to suffer alone. You don't have to suffer in silence. Just, you know, reach out to someone and get help and have someone there on your side and someone advocating for you. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, 
what is the, the PSA model is, you know, you're not alone, you're mm-hmm. not to blame and with help, you will get better again. Exactly. It's there. It's there for you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. So we will leave the full list of resources with links and phone numbers in the show notes. So please check those out. If you're listening and you know someone that might be struggling, send them this episode, send them the resources, um, just kind of nudge them in the right direction. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for putting this together, Sandra, as a resource that people can, can look back on and, and kind of, um, you know, bookmark. Yeah, exactly. Well, and thank you again for having this important conversation with me today. I'm sure we'll have many more in the future and thank you for also always being so open and honest on your social media. (laughs) Thank you. I think, I think it's, you know, honest motherhood is, is kind of the way we normalize things so that we're not so hard on ourselves, you know? Absolutely. I absolutely agree. You too. I mean, I know you keep it real, so you have to. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being here with us today. And um, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for tuning in. For more, follow along on Instagram at mybestmomfriend. I'll see you again next time.